Hey, and welcome back to Game Talk. I'm your host, Evan Beyond. Today, I'm joined by Connor. Hey, guys. And Mike. Hello. And today, we want to talk about licensed games. And I know when we did our nostalgia episode, we talked about licensed games quite a bit, just because I think inherently licensed games were a part of all of our childhoods to some capacity. But I think it'd be good to sort of dedicate an entire episode to the concept of licensed games, just because, like, I feel like they're more and more of a rarity nowadays, and like maybe yeah, they're it, more of a relic of the '90s and the 2000s. It used to be a movie wouldn't come out without a video game. Like it was every single like I I remember that when I was in like elementary and middle school. So like late 2000s, early 2010s, like everything. Uh, the the yeah. one that comes to mind most for me is uh, Iron Man the movie, the game. <laughs> Ah, yes, you've discussed this gem many times on this show. (laughs) It's a bad video game. (laughs) You convinced yourself you liked it, though, right? Yeah, well, the problem was, even, like, to this day, I don't think I would hate it, but it was only, like, an hour and a half long. Ah, okay. It was, like, an okay game that didn't have anything to do with the movie, and then it just kind of ended, because there really wasn't a lot to work off of. There was, like, two fight scenes in that movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I think usually with licensed games based off movies, like, if you just try to adapt the plot of the movie, like, nine times out of ten, it's going to be an awful game. I yeah. feel like, and I, I think the exception to that is the original Spider-Man trilogy, those games, yeah. like, on PS2 and GameCube. Yeah, all those games. The were ones incredible. that adopted most the... Spider-Man games. The, the reason those were so good was because they already had such a good formula to work on with games like The Amazing Spider-Man and... Uh... Actually, I think the movie games really just made The Amazing Spider-Man better, but... Yeah, I mean, and and to be clear, these movies were based off the Sam Raimi trilogy, and uh, yeah, I really enjoyed those back in the day, but aside, aside from those, I can think of some truly awful licensed games that I've played back in the day. Yeah. Like, me personally, like, I was a huge, I mean, I'm still a huge nerd, but like, especially so as a kid, like, Dragon Ball was like... Dragon Ball was to me what like Batman to was to like Ball normal games kid. were bad. No, 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 no. Okay. No, they, well, well. Here's the thing. Like, I feel like I don't know if they are bad or not, but I certainly loved them to death as a kid. I haven't revisited many of them since, but like, I, yeah, I mean, as I can't a kid, speak for all of them, I know the Legacy of Goku games are extremely well liked to this day. And yeah. I so okay. So, Dragon Ball Budokai Tenkaichi Three is a masterpiece. <laughs> Okay, so was let me that, go through them. Was that like an actual name? Or, it kind of sounded like you were sneezing. Dragon no, that, 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 that was the name. Tenkaichi 3 is an actual game. Yeah, it's a mouthful. It, okay, so, it had every single character. It had like, down to every Frieza soldier was playable in that game. Yeah, you could play as like there. Frieza Henchman A and Frieza Henchman B. Yeah. So that alone puts that game in like God tier for me. Just because like there's nothing else like that. But let me let me rewind a bit, right? So I think... The first Dragon Ball game I played was Dragon Ball Z Budokai on the PS2. And it was kind of like a 2D, like, I don't want to say arena fighter, but it was like, it wasn't, it was like a casual fighter, right? It wasn't like Street Fighter, Dragon Ball Fighters or anything like that. No real complexity to it, but just like a kind of beat-em-up 2D fighting game. And then they followed that up with Budokai 2 and Budokai 3, which, by the way, Budokai 2 and 3... The intro songs to those games, oh, I still listen. I still listen to those while working out. Like those are great songs. Yeah. And then after the Budokai games, 
on console, they started doing these Budokai Tenkaichi games, where, which were like 3D fighting games. So like the consensus I see a lot online is that like while these games, apparently people prefer the Budokai games because the fighting was more in depth. The ten- in Tenkaichi, the fighting definitely becomes more casual, but yep. in doing that, it definitely looks and feels more like the show, I think, because it's like in these giant 3D spaces, and you can actually like punch people through mountains and stuff like that. And I always found that pretty fun. It's so actually, like, so well, I've never, this is actually a horrifying confession, I've never watched Dragon Ball Z. Everything I know about that franchise, I learned from Dragon Ball Z Budokai Tenkaichi 3D. That's amazing. Yeah, because so, it had the entire anime in it. Like you could play so, mo- a lot of Dragon Ball, all of Dragon Ball Z, a good bit of GT. You could play all of that all just within this one yeah. game, and it had like cutscenes for the whole story. It didn't have the filler, which is really an improvement. Yeah, so let, let's let's be clear here, right? So Budokai One adopts like two thirds of the story of Dragon Ball Z. And then Budokai 2 adopts all of Dragon Ball Z. And then Budokai 3 adopts all of Dragon Ball Z and some of GT. And then Budokai, uh, Budokai Tenkaichi 1, 2, and 3 all adopt like the same story, right? Like, so what I'm getting at is these games cover the same content. Just like add characters and stages and stuff. Similar, I guess, in a way to Smash Brothers, right? But like... It's just, it's funny to me, like, as a kid, I would look so much forward to the next iteration of, like, the Budokai or the Budokai Tenkaichi games. Even though, like, I know, I, I've seen the Dragon Ball story hundreds of times at this point. Like, there are no surprises in that story. Like, I'm just playing it because I love that franchise so much. And I think that's what really gets at the heart of licensed games, right? It's like, even if you, you know, like, you're young and impressionable, right? But, like, even if you're older, like, I feel like... If you have like an inherent love for something you're nostalgic for, you're going to get the game. Regardless right. of how I, good or bad it is. That's kind of why I wanted to cover the topic is because like licensed games are a good thing for the industry in my opinion because it like it's such a good starting point for a new developer because it's like you can really explore the space with a license knowing that people are going to buy it. Also, you know like Creative resources are expensive, right? Like, you don't have to have, like, come up with original character designs or, like, not even necessarily, like, original artwork and stuff. Like, you can use the stylings of the IP to sort of propel you and give you a jump start on your game. Right. All the concepts are already there. You don't really need a writer in some instances, especially the Dragon Ball instances, because they were... I mean, it's unfortunate that we finally got to the point in licensed games where... The only licensed games we get are the big IPs. Well, that's not really true. I mean, it's just all on mobile now. Yeah, it used to be that every every movie would have at least some video game tie-in. Like, Stuart Little got a video game. I mean, iCarly had a couple video games. Yeah. Cory in the House had a video game. Like, they were going wild. Duck Dynasty has a few. Like. Yeah, they were going wild. Yeah, Duck Dynasty has like a weird Animal Crossing style game, I'm pretty sure. Wait a second. M. Night Shyamalan wrote Stuart Little? No way. Apparently he did. Uh, I was just looking for the game. But yeah, like, it, it did used to be everything had a game. And I kind of... I mean, the, the biggest difference now is that, like, licensed games that come to console are pretty good typically like the turning point in my mind and this may not be the case for everyone 
But the turning point for me is Scott Pilgrim versus the world, the game. That was the first licensed game I played. And I didn't I didn't really think of the Dragon Ball games as licensed games because they had a, a tendency to be good. But like the first movie licensed game I'd played that was actually really good. Like there were clearly a t- there was a ton of heart in it. And, uh, you know, that kind of turned me around on how I felt about the idea of licensed games and how they could be a love letter to the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I kind of want to go more in depth into my history and then we can each go around and go into ours. But like back to the whole Dragon Ball thing, right? So like the Tenkaichi games, the Budokai games were the core of like basically my youth. Like I bought a PS2 for those games. Like I didn't know any better at the time, right? Like I, I mean, I didn't buy it. Obviously, I asked my parents to buy it when I was that young. But, you know, beyond the PS2, there were several other Dragon Ball games that I played and a lot of them weren't as good, you know, as... uh as the Budokai and the Tenkaichi games. One particular one comes to mind. Like, I know objectively this game is awful, but I had so much fun playing it. And even in the past few years, I revisited it with a friend, and it was just so cringy and awesome. So have you, either of you guys played Dragon Ball Z Sagas? Yeah. It, that's like original Xbox PS2 era, right? I think I... So I, I'm pretty sure I have it on GameCube. I played it on GameCube. And I it is a original Xbox at a friend's house. It's atrocious. It it is the worst. It is a co-op. So like you and one other person, it, it's a Dragon Ball game. Like you run through the story, you know. Like, and I think it ends at like it ends at the androids. I don't think it goes into Boo. So it covers two th- thirds of the story again. Which incidentally, it seems like a lot of Dragon Ball games end there. Maybe their idea is to end. Maybe their idea is to end there and like. Uh, hope for a sequel so they can cover the entire story, but it's like everyone knows the story already, so I don't really get that, but anyways, this was a co-op game, so you and one other person could run through the story, but like, what was different about this game was it was just so janky and hilarious, like it, it was just like I feel like this game was chock full of memes before memes were even really a thing, right? Like, if this game had come out in 2020, it would get memed to death yeah it's just so it was it was just the worst but i loved it for that reason uh i remember like and obviously we talked about the game boy games like legacy of goku 1 2 and boo's fury those are probably the best dragon ball games like out of all of them like those games are very special i think but like beyond that there's also other handheld dragon ball games that weren't so good i remember dragon ball z supersonic warriors which was like almost like a 2D Tenkaichi-esque fighting games, uh, fighting game. Actually, no, 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 wait a minute. Like, I might be missing. It might have been like some kind of, I might be conflating two things, but there was also one that was like a weird card game. I'm not sure if that was that one, but I definitely played that one too. And then there was a Dragon Ball GT game on Game Boy that I played. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and that was, so that one was interesting because it was kind of like, uh, like those old school arcade uh, games where you'd like go through like 2D hallways and fight enemies and stuff. Like I, I forget what that kind of game is called, but you, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like a beat 'em up. Beat 'em ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. So it was a GT beat 'em up, but like it sucked. <laughs> but you know, like I didn't know any better, right? Like at, at at that time in my life, like Dragon Ball anything, I bought the game for. Uh, like I didn't look at reviews. I didn't do any of that stuff back then. I just knew. Since it was Dragon Ball, I would love it. And then I went through a similar phase with Sonic, you know, and, you know, Sonic isn't really, it's not a licensed game, but, like, 
I can make a si- similar argument to where like a lot of Sonic games were awful, but I played them anyway. But anyways, licensed games. Uh, when I got to middle school, I got super into Naruto. Oh, so yeah, a ton of games. So yeah, I got a ton of. Pretty good though. Yeah, yeah, I'll get into that. So a ton of licensed Naruto games. So I remember the Naruto like Clash of Ninja games on GameCube, I believe. I played those, and they were like. Arena fighter fighters where up to four people could play at once, and they were pretty fun. And then I think uh, there were these uh, Naruto, God, what, what were they called? Like I think they were just called Naruto Ultimate Ninja games on PS2, and they were uh, 2D fighters that had like an interesting mechanic where you could like switch planes. And like these games were known for like their insane like supers, right? So like you could do a super attack, and it could last for like five minutes and like it was like that that it, it was because like this once you did a super you could like input quick time events to like extend the super and if you kept extending it it just had like new animations and it was it was wild for that reason but then i think with the ps3 360 era they started coming out with those naruto ultimate ninja storm games and i think those are the ones that are most well known today just because the art style looks exactly like the show, like, and it looks really good, right? Like, it's like an anime. It looks like an anime, but it's a 3D arena fighter. So you actually, like, like run around and stuff. And then they made, like, one, two, three, and I think four was the last one they made. And that was actually also, like, I think that was, like, cross-gen with PS3, PS4, or maybe it was, like, only PS4, Xbox One, I don't remember but yeah, those are those are probably the crown jewel of the Naruto license games. I also remember Ubisoft acquired the Naruto license for a while and made uh, Naruto Rise of a Ninja exclusive to Xbox 360. And you better believe I played the crap out of that, too. Did you buy an Xbox 360 for it? No, 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 no. <laughs> I actually got a 360 to play Halo and Call of Duty. Okay. Yeah, but, cool. um... Yeah, so that the Rise of a Ninja game, it was interesting because it was like a fresh take on it was like an open world Naruto game. So you could actually like run through the village and the forest and stuff. And I thought that was kind of neat, but the gameplay was definitely kind of lacking. So I feel like as an IP and this might just be a product of like it happening later, but like I think Naruto got more has more like attention to quality poured into it than Dragon Ball. Like overall, no, but I will. Dragon Ball also are like really obvious IPs to make a video game out of. That's true. Yeah, I yeah I, I'm I'm just, I'm just going through my personal history, but yeah, like those. I feel like you know, like if you approached like a regular game developer and was like, "Hey, turn this IP into a game," like you would immediately have an idea of what to do. But anyways, those are like. I think the two major licensed games I played as a kid, those franchises, obviously the Spider-Man games for PlayStation and Xbox were fantastic. But, uh, and and there were some other, like, licensed games here and there I played. I remember playing the SpongeBob game on PC. I forget what it was called, though. I don't think it was Battle for Bikini Bottom. It was something else. But it, it had, like a, like, a story mode and stuff. It was strange. Yeah, I don't think Battle for Bikini Bottom came to PC originally. It wasn't until Rehydrated that it came to PC. Yeah. Or if it did, it was a, a vastly different version on PC. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. In terms of licensed games, one, la- one last thing about Dragon Ball, and then I'll stop. <laughs> uh, dra- uh, I, I will say, I think Dragon Ball in particular is kind of having like a renaissance in terms of games, right? Like, because like we got like the Xenoverse games coming out, and like they were kind of the spiritual successor to the Tenkaichi series. And then we got the crown jewel of, I think, 
all Dragon Ball games, Dragon Ball Fighters, which is an actual competitive fighting game yeah, that, that like insanely good. is played at like Evo and stuff, right? So like an actual ha- it has like fighting game mechanics, so it like goes way over my head. I I definitely played it and like tried to get good at it, but like I just was not willing to put in the time to actually get good at a fighting game. But yeah, that game is that game is like I think the shining example of like if you have one of these licensed anime properties and really pour the time and resources into it, you can make a great-looking, great-playing, uh, just a great game in general. So, But yeah, I, I don't know, Connor, what, what what licensed games did you play in your youth? And were you as much of a weeb as me? I was not as much of a weeb as you. I played some Dragon Ball games, but I think that's pretty much where the anime stops for me. Oh, I think one, uh, my cousin had a, a Bleach game that I liked playing, but I've never watched Bleach. But the one the one that comes to mind for me when I was real little is Lego Star Wars. I played so much Lego Star Wars, and really all the Lego games I really like. I mean, even up until a few years ago, I was playing uh, Lego Harry Potter with somebody. I don't know how old that game is. I bought it on Switch. Yeah, the Lego... I feel like the Lego games are almost in like a class of their own, right? Like they take these licensed IPs and turn them into Legos and they're hugely successful. Like pretty much all of them. They're not all good though. The first Lego Star Wars game was amazing and I loved it. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the uh, the sequel trilogy. I don't remember what that was called. Uh, whatever. It was episode four, five, and six. And uh, I had that on my Nintendo DS. And that game was a mess. I distinctly remember that it was like the first game I ever owned that like crashed all the time. And like I remember the final level being impossible to beat because your character would just stop rendering. And I had no oh, idea gosh. why. I thought it was intentional at the time. I couldn't figure out what was going on. <laughs> but you literally like you, you literally just couldn't see where you were and you had to just kind of press buttons until you got to the end of the level. And it was a long level. <laughs> but I loved oh. those games. I loved being able to make my own Star Wars characters and stuff. And uh, the original game, like just original Lego Star Wars, that was the prequel trilogy. That Those like there was a lot to those games. They were long. There's a lot of content there. A lot of unlockables and everything. I played those to death, dude. Aren't they coming out, or is it already out? Like a uh, Lego Skywalker saga that includes all nine. Yeah, that's that might be something I play. That There's sounds pretty Lego. Yeah, I, I lo- I've looked at the gameplay some, and it's like it's weird because like it incorporates the IP really well, but also includes like Lego ness, right? Yeah. So I, like, I've heard that the Lego games have really only gotten better too. Like I hear the Lego Lord of the Rings are pretty good. I hear Lego Batman is like like some of the best child friendly Batman around. Like because you don't want a kid playing Arkham or something. Oh yeah, we need to talk about Arkham. But um, oh my god, yeah, Batman Arkham is insanely good. I I that doesn't even like register in my head yeah. as a licensed game. But yeah, the, that is probably those three games taken as a trilogy are probably the best licensed games I've ever played. Yeah, like I, I, yeah, especially Arkham City. That game was something extremely I mean, special. I my think. hot take is that Arkham Asylum is the best of the trilogy, but I I get I the really, argument. Yeah. I just think that Batman doesn't need an open world. I thought that. No, was I, I I fully understand and respect that argument too. Like Arkham Asylum was definitely it was very just special like a as tight, well. A tight experience, yeah. you know. Like yeah, and I think nothing it didn't need to do, and I loved it for that. Ar- Arkham Knight was a little full of bloat, but I still enjoyed it. Uh, if you, if you but, cut the Batmobile out of Arkham Knight, it right. suddenly becomes twice as good a game. I, I fully agree with that, yeah. It's but, miserable. 
But yeah, like, oh, that's that kind of leads me into a ch- tangent. I'm so disappointed in the direction they're taking that series. Because they, really? like, basically... So they stop. They're, they're done with Arkham. Like, yeah. Batman Arkham. They're making, like, a Suicide Squad multiplayer games as a service game now. I don't think just, a Suicide Squad game will be that bad. It's the other one that looks really bad to me. The, uh... It's the one, it's like a co-op game where you play as the whole Bat family. Yeah, that, and okay, yeah, terrible. I was confusing two things. Yeah, 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 that's I don't that's know if that's was thinking by of. the Arkham devs, I don't remember. Yeah, no, I think you're talking, yeah, the the one with the Bat family, that's like game of, I think that one's game as a service as well. Yeah, it is, and it looks terrible, it's, it's like an RPG, like. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you guys, needs is level up. you guys had something so special in your hands, like, you should have just made another Batman game. Like oh, I get man. that they fin- also Arkham Origins wasn't amazing. I never played it, but yeah, yeah, I didn't really touch that one. But that one wasn't made by Rocksteady, actually. So yeah, that was yeah, Rocksteady. That was their name. Yeah, but yeah, Batman Arkham games very very special overall. I think. Um, yeah, I was really dubious going into the first Arkham Asylum because that was one of the uh, that was like hot off the heels of Iron Man. Honestly, like it had <laughs> only been a couple years. I think. Also, we need to talk about how hugely influential the Arkham games were. Like, I don't think, oh you God, know, yeah, we would not have we would not have Spider-Man PS4 if it were not for the Arkham games, at least we, in terms yeah, of like the combat. Have, um, those uh, Lord of the Rings, Shadow of Mordor. Either. Shadow of Mordor, yeah. And Shadow of War. Those, those are both pretty good licensed games, too. I was playing those like last year. I was a huge, huge fan of Shadow of Mordor, but not so much Shadow of War. The sequel, like, kind of lost me a little bit, but... Lord of the Rings actually has a really strong history of licensed games too. I'm like sitting here remembering different licensed games I've played as we talk. There was yeah, um, me too. There was one. I don't know if it was made by the Star Wars Battlefront developers, but it played exactly like a Lord of the Rings clone of Star Wars Battlefront, and I wow. loved that game. I have no idea what it was called, but it that was sounds incredible. amazing. Like as it a was concept, really good. It was super fun. It was original Xbox, I think, maybe Xbox 360. Yeah, and, and was, I think. Oh, good. And it, it, like you could play through the story of the like all the famous battles and stuff through the books. But you could also just do like Star Wars Battlefront style. Like, what was it called? Conquest mode. Right. Yeah. And like there was a hero, a hero's mode. It had all that. And like you could, you know, do well and get to unlock playing as a hero. And it was like super fun. It, it was literally just a clone of Battlefront. So I, I think Dude, it was the same developers that's a, that's an incredible like a medieval style battlefront game would be perfect i think that would be it, it was amazing i loved playing it i never owned it but what i will say for lord of the rings uh yeah so shadow of mordor was my favorite lord of the rings game i think you know since the trilogy came out obviously like lord of the rings became like a household name but like after that like you know it, you know in terms of like mainstream consciousness i feel like it hasn't really been too much of a thing i do think lord of the rings is poised to be just be back in a huge way right cuz like amazon is working on that like billion dollar television series and then i know have you guys seen uh the tr- there's a new lord of the rings game coming out where you play as gollum i don't know how appealing that is but there's a game coming out called lord of the rings gollum and it's like a next gen triple a game where you play as gollum i guess like scurrying around so I- I'd give it a chance. That sounds yeah. really stupid, but I mean, it's not. Yeah, it's a fresh idea. I'll give him that. But, I only um, played Shadow of War because it was on Game Pass. Because I'm not a I'm not a huge Lord of the Rings guy. I like the movies, but yeah. But no, I I do think yeah, like Lord of the Rings. I think we'll be seeing a lot more games in the future for Lord of the Rings, and the same with Harry Potter, right? Like we've got that huge Harry Potter, massive like 
dude. Hogwarts RPG on the horizon. That'll be good, but you know what game stands in a class its own is Harry Potter Quidditch on the GameCube. Okay, so, all right, so this is going to be another uh, trip down Amid childhood lane. Yeah. Harry Potter was absolutely, like, the third pillar of, like, licensed games that I played as a kid. I played every single Harry Potter game uh, I could get my hands on, including I, the Quidditch, no, I Quidditch game. Buy- I did not buy this Quidditch game because it was Harry Potter. I pl- I bought it because I played it at a friend's house and liked it so much that I wanted to buy it. It's like yeah. literally just like a That's football funny. game, but with a Harry Potter skin over it. And I just really liked it for some reason. Yeah. No, uh, I remember especially Sorcerer's Stone and Chamber of Secrets, I think. Maybe, maybe Prisoner of Azkaban too, but I especially remember the first two were legitimately very good games. Like I remember those games being excellent as a kid. That's where that Hagrid meme is from, right? The that's from like the PS1 Harry Potter. Uh, Maybe, yeah, I'm not sure. But I think it's Chamber of Secrets. But yeah, they, they, they were like they were like uh, third person action adventure games where you would like explore Hogwarts and like learn spells and stuff. And I was all about them. Like they were full, chock full of secrets, and like I loved those games. And then I remember as the licensed games kept going on, like with Prisoner of Azkaban and like Goblet of Fire, as they kept going on. <laughs> eventually these games became like less open and more restrictive like each one was worse than the previous one and i think near the end like near like half-blood prince or goblet of or or order of the phoenix around that time they like legit just became like third-person shooters yeah because like you like duck uh i guess it does right but like still it's it's it was a weird transformation right because like you went from like very sort of a unique vibe of like action adventure, but like no like action heavy combat. You had to like think about your spells and stuff to where like you would literally just it was just a shooter with a Harry Potter skin. Well, that's kind of right. the progression of games in the, in yeah. the 2000s, too. So that's true. Yeah. But yeah, beyond like those, you know, Harry Potter is another one. Uh, just concerning the IP, right? Like it's interesting to think about like this mega billion dollar mm-hmm. IP. Where, like, those licensed games came out, and then, like, nothing, right? Like, there was not even, like, Lord of the Rings had, like, Shadow of Mordor and, like, that Battlefront-type game, right? Like, I feel like Harry Potter, like, games were only coming out while the movies were coming out, and then Zilch. Which I feel like, you know, like, it it should be a no-brainer, right? Like, it's, like, almost free money. If you make a Harry Potter game, people are going to buy it. But I do think this this massive Hogwarts game that's coming out is going to be, it's going to be really good and huge yeah i'm very I, I, well i'm cautiously optimistic i'm not nearly as big of a harry potter fan as you but the idea of like that's kind of the harry potter game i always wanted because i never really wanted to be told the same story from the books again but yeah. the idea of making your own character and just going to hogwarts is Dude, always i must have been some kind of psychotic as a kid because like i was totally content with just getting the same stories the same like dragon ball stories the same harry potter stories the same naruto stories over and over and over well, kids, again Whether, kids are just like that like yeah yeah that's I, I remember true. when i was a kid i had this stupid uh movie that just told me about trains that i would watch every single day <laughs> like yeah that's it's just, just it, are. it's just interesting reflecting now back right because like we'd experience i for, let's take harry potter for example i'd experience the story through the book and then through the movie and then through the game and i just was not sick of it you know like i just just wanted yeah. to consume it in any way possible which i guess you know that's why licensed games sold back in the day 
perspective. Yeah. Because like kids, kids were all about it. Yeah. But yeah, like, you know, it is interesting talking about it now. Like it does seem like, yes, like license games were big back in the day and then kind of quiet for a long time. But now it seems like maybe some big high profile ones are coming back. Right. Like obviously the Lego games have been a thing forever. But now we're talking like new Lord of the Rings, triple A license game, new Harry Potter, triple A license game. It's I, I feel yeah. like you're forgetting the elephant in the room, which is the the licensed game I am most looking forward to right now, the IO Interactive James Bond game. Oh man, yeah, that is a match made in heaven if there ever yeah. was one. Yeah, I think that game is going to be insanely good. And so I don't even IO, care for James Bond. Just a reminder for everyone, IO Interactive is the studio that does Hitman, and uh, yeah, that gameplay combined with James Bond would be would be choice. Huge, huge thing I'm forgetting. Huge licensed property that I'm sure we've all played at s- to some capacity. You know, Star Wars, right? You mentioned the Star Wars Lego games, but like Star Wars yeah. licensed games go far beyond Lego oh, games. Oh yeah, I mean, we talked about Battlefront and those games are incredible. Battlefront and like, and I think EA finally, you know, is starting to get it, right? And we've mentioned that before on the show, but like... Yeah, Jedi Fallen Order is pretty good. Battlefront yeah. 2 got better. That game's kind of fun now. And they've they also released Star Wars Squadrons, yeah. But especially Jedi Fallen Order, like me being a huge Souls like fan, that game is just the perfect Star Wars game to me. And I'm, I'm very much Star excited. Wars Squadrons, that game's that game's really fun, and especially yeah. in VR. Oh my yeah, god, yeah, VR, VR support too. Yeah, that so, game yes. makes me sick, but in a good way. Like, <laughs> yeah. it, I've never been so. I, I've played a lot of VR games, and I don't think I've ever been as afraid as I was playing Star Wars Squadron, and it, it was just how scary the scale of one of the uh, Star Destroyers was. Yeah. Like, I was flying alongside of it, and, like, you usually see those things on, like, a black background, so, like, there's there's just no sense of scale in the movies, and then suddenly there is a sense of scale because you're in this tiny, barely-held-together spaceship, and you're flying alongside one, and it could, like, move an inch and crush you. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, the way Star Wars as a franchise in terms of games has been handled was the way I would expect, like, Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter to be handled, right? Like, just constantly pumping out games with, like, different ideas behind them. Because, like, even, like, before, like, we're talking about relatively recent games right now, but, like, we we had, like, Star Wars The Force Unleashed, like, 1 and 2. Like Those those were pretty good. Those were pretty good games. Very popular back in the day. And, uh... Yeah, like, we've got, like, Star Wars third-person action games, we've got Star Wars, like, VR flight sims, we've got... Uh, oh, man, Star Wars Star Rogue Wars... Or no, wait, what was it called? Clone Commando, maybe? I don't know. There, there was Commando? a game on the original Xbox. I have it in my Steam library, I'm gonna have to look at it real quick. Like, Jedi Academy, remember that one? Oh, Jedi Academy's so good. So, yeah, we've had, like, Star Wars first-person shooters, we've had Star Wars Souls-likes, so, like, I feel like they've uh, really... It's the Old Republic, Republic Commando. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The Old Republic is like a foundational RPG for a lot of people. Yeah, a lot of people consider that Bioware's like magnum opus. Yeah, even to this day. So, Star Wars has been like has been like molded to all the different like popular video game genres. And And to be fair, it's had well, I would say games too. Like uh, Star Wars Episode Three on the Nintendo DS was a very mediocre beat 'em up. Oh, really? Yeah. Star Wars Episode Three beat 'em up on DS. Wow. Uh, Mike, do you have any like fond memories of licensed games? I know we've been talking. Uh, not really, like- honestly. I don't remember having played a lot of licensed games. Really, you played you had- uh, Battle for Bikini Bottom, didn't you? Yeah, but I never really completed it. Well, I never played it. I uh, I just 
know know it from its infamy. That's it was it's not infamous. It's an okay game, okay? But <laughs> <laughs> it got a remake. That's all that matters. Uh I really didn't play a lot of licensed games growing up. So you you're saying you had taste growing up? No, I didn't have taste. It was just shovelware garbage instead of licensed uh, games. Instead of licensed shovelware garbage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I what? Well, well you were uh, well, you were playing Dragon Ball games. I was playing a game about racing planes and listening to Eurodance. <laughs> that that checks out. That checks out. Yeah. Uh, one franchise I will say that I just thought of that had very mediocre games that I'm disappointed in because I think it's so rife with potential for excellent games. Avatar The Last Airbender. Oh, yeah. It had a lot of really lame. I remember, yeah, like, I played the Avatar games when they came out, and they were just so bad. Like, and the Korra games were so bad, and it was just, like, so much good can be done with this franchise, but no one's doing it, which there's is a, unfortunate. There's a really interesting, this is kind of a tangent, because we don't talk about this a whole lot, but there's a really interesting uh, The Last Airbender uh, pen and paper RPG coming soon, mm-hmm. and I am, I'm deeply interested that sounds crazy. Like, can you tell me more about it? Uh, I mean, it's it's just D and D, but your character, you're like you, you know, you make a, a bender, and there are like classes yeah. within each type of bending. Other than that, Dude, I don't really know. I that sounds amazing. Dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's so much potential in the Avatar universe for all sorts of different kinds of games. Like, yeah, it, it's just I, a shame. I remember, right, the ones they made all played like like the Marvel games, like the the x-men game marvel like found a type of game that they liked and never deviated from it for a long time yeah like, and like the even Ultimate alliance x-men yeah. legends that sort of game and i hated them and even the marvel lego games are kind of like that right like marvel i think it's like lego avengers or something where you can play as like every marvel hero under the sun it's like the same sort of like 3d you know action top down yeah, level-based game. Yeah, yeah. I hated... I, I mean, I played them. I played Ultimate Alliance 1 and 2 because I was, like, super into superheroes. But I did not care for that style of gameplay very much. Yeah, I can't say that appealed to me too much either. I remember, really like, just, like... All the yeah. characters feel exactly the same. They just have, like, slightly different attacks. And it I was think... more interesting to have, like, a tenth of the roster but actually make them good. So I think, I, I remember, I think there was this Marvel game I played. I forget if it was like a PS3 or PS4 launch game, but like it was one of those games where like, you know, like back in the day, like for console launches, like you would, you, you, at least I would get games that I normally wouldn't get just because it was a console launch. And it's all that was there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and and this Marvel game was one of them. And like, try as I might, I just could not get into it. Like, and it was just like exactly as you say that those like, uh, 3d action games level based action games and it was just like ugh, not a, not about it yeah i i had x-men legends on my gamecube growing up i think i still have it and i've never gotten past like the second level because i find it so tedious but obviously now we see you know i think ever since the mcu was a thing like oh, they're, they're still just making those games ultimate alliance 3 came out like three years ago <laughs> Well, I, I do think there's an audience for that. Like, they sell very well, they I'm do, pretty yeah. sure. People like them. I just, they don't appeal to me at all. But what I will say is that I think ever since the MCU became a thing, they've started making, you know, other Marvel games that are more uh, widely received, right? Like Yeah, like the Avengers. Spider-Man, obviously. <laughs> oh, yeah, the Avengers, too. <laughs> yeah, which they are still trying to bring back to life. 
But um, you know, I, I mean, obviously Spider-Man's the big one, but like also we've got uh, Iron Man VR was pretty good too. But no, I haven't gotten to play that. Not a I lot think, of people uh, are probably play that. Guardians of the Galaxy looks like it'll be good to the people that like that sort of game. It looks terrible to my tastes, but I bet a lot of people end up liking it. Dude, where's that? Where's a Thor? I would love a Thor game. Like, I think that would be so much really? fun. I don't think Thor stands on his own very much, like, story-wise. See, I'm a weirdo, because, like, I enjoyed all three Thor movies, like, very uh, much, unironically. Terrible taste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I an mean, opinion. I, Thor, Thor Ragnarok's amazing, but, like... Thor yeah, the I, Dark World is an unwatchable mess. Unironically love the Dark World. Uh, that's insane to me. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, yeah, now that I go through all the games in my mind, like, I feel like Marvel could be making more, right? Like, Guardians of the Galaxy is a given, but, like, I feel like a non-VR Iron Man game should have been a thing by now, but it isn't. Yeah, especially guess, since, like, I'll be honest, the one that came out in, like, 2008 left a pretty good foundation if they would just tell an original story. It controlled yeah. well. Like, Well, here's the thing. So, I think there might be a sort of struggle in, in developer circles with coming up with a good game around, like, superheroes that can fly like Superman, right? Like, I feel like maybe yeah. it's kind of tough to do a game good that way. Yeah, because you have to make um, very big levels for a character that can fly quickly. Yeah, and it can end up feeling like empty or kind of like watered down as a result. Or, so I can yeah, un- I do understand. remember. I liked this as a kid. I might like it less as an adult, but I did remember that like if you were getting your butt kicked, you could just fly up in the air and heal up a bit and then fly back down. Yeah, so like I, I don't know. Like I feel like there is like a crackable formula here for like a flying superhero video game, but I don't think anyone's quite cracked it yet. But yeah, let me think. What else? Like I, I was actually, it's it's fascinating. Like talking to you guys about this because like I was only thinking of like Dragon Ball and Naruto, but like talking to this, like I remember so many things I played as a kid. Yeah, Dude, that Nick- Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront was the first shooter I ever played. Yeah, I think that might be the same with me, too, because, like, I wasn't allowed to play, like, T-rated games for the longest time, right? So, like, when I went over to a friend's house and, like, played Star Wars Battlefront on an Xbox, I was just like, what is this? This is incredible. Wait, I did play Star Wars Battlefront. I forgot. (laughs) Yeah. I've kind of blocked most of the licensed games I've ever played out of my mind. I've replaced it with fine dining and breathing, but, I I mean... I mean, speaking of SpongeBob, that, uh... That new Nickelodeon game, which that I can't believe, good, yeah, I can't believe is getting made in 2021. It looks like it's going to be better than Smash Bros. Okay, I wouldn't say that. But online play wise, I mean, basically anything is better online play wise than Smash Bros. Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, Nickelodeon Smash Bros. clone, uh, very SpongeBob heavy, I will say, but I think that's to be expected. But yeah, I, I. I unironically looking forward to playing that like it's got some some franchises in there that i haven't thought about in a long time like it's got like danny phantom i was super into danny phantom as a kid uh i never played any of him's games when i was younger i knew he had a few he also um he showed up in like those nicktoons unite games a lot too yeah i can't like i don't think i played any danny phantom games as a kid but like i feel like that show wasn't as popular as i thought it was like i i was really into it but i don't think it was very popular. That's just the vibe I get, but I don't know. It's impossible to say. Weirdly, like, no 
fairly odd pairings or Jimmy Neutron representation yet in that Nickelodeon game, which is well, how do you how do you oh well yeah, but how do you make a fairly odd parents game like Timmy had infinite? Yeah, power. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and Jimmy Neutron might as well have, you know. Yeah, but come on, you got to put them in your Nickelodeon Smash Bros. If they're not, oh, they there, have to a, be there. Yeah, there's no that's way. It's a huge well, omission. Butch Hartman got canceled. I think. I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I don't know how many people even know Butch Hartman's name, so I don't know if that matters. Yeah. Any other uh, licensed games we can think of? I'm racking my brain. Nothing off the top of my head, which means it can't have been a formative experience for me. Yeah. I mean, oh, was... I remember uh, the Toy Story game on Super NES was really fun. It was oh, just really? a platformer. Yeah. yeah, I feel like, I mean, most licensed games in that era had to be platformers, right? <laughs> Yeah, I really liked. I I I will wholeheartedly admit that this has to have been a terrible game, but I loved the Spy Kids three game over Game Boy Advance game, and I never got to buy it, but my friend Christian had it, and I played it a bunch. Lord, I loved that game. Something about the art style. It looked. Um, it was one of those games where they tried to make it look as much like the movie as possible. Yeah, and I thought it's, it was so photo real on my Game Boy Advance. Those were the days. You know, yeah. it's funny. Like we always. At least I always think when I like when I got a new system back in the day, I was like, how can games look better than this? And it's always, you know, like that's that I, statement I always that gets old more. I, yeah. I always look at things and I'm like, wow, I can't wait for them to be better than this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I think with the PS4 generation, that thought sort of died. But like definitely before that, like yeah. I'd looked at I'd, like when I first looked at a PS3 game, it was like graphics cannot get better than this. And then. Yeah, obviously. But I, I mean, think looking at Uncharted 2, you have a solid, solid argument. But yeah, Uncharted 2 and 3 are still like, I don't understand how those games look like that. That's, no, that's amazing. wizardry. But I think uh, maybe to cap this discussion, I think it's interesting nowadays, right? Like back in the day, we'd see the trend of like popular movies and maybe TV shows getting made into video games. But now we're seeing the opposite, I would say. Like we're seeing video games getting made into movies more and more and TV shows. And most of the time, I mean, I think that went as uh, they're 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 as uh, similar in quality to most licensed games, right? Like the translation between movie and video game and video game to movie doesn't seem to be working most of the time. And but there are exceptions, right? I also think that the uh, the the go-to for a licensed game has changed from like if a movie succeeds they don't look at how they can make a game out of that movie they look at how they can make a game out of that ip so like yeah. the dark knight trilogy did well so they made the arkham games which had nothing to do with the dark knight and like the spider-man movies were doing really well so they made a spider-man game that has nothing to do with it and uh you know and so on but i will say like you know, like Ratchet and Clank. Remember when they remade Ratchet and Clank, the original? And it was to oh sort God, of tie yeah. in and with the movie. And the and movie the mo- ruined the game. Yeah, yeah the, mo- the movie sucked. And they actually include, included scenes from the movie as like cutscenes in the game. And it was just yeah, like... It, like ruined the game's story because they had to make a story work both for a 13-hour yeah. game and a two-hour movie. Yeah. Terrible. So, yeah, and then we've obviously we've seen the success, begrudgingly, of the, the Sonic movie. And that's yeah, either quite well. Coming to save Sonic Two. <laughs> and uh, I'm actually not sure. I've I've, I've said it as Idris and Idris both. I'm not sure which well, one. Is I'm correct. sure he doesn't listen, but I still feel a little bad. <laughs> I think it's Idris Elba. And we've seen like things like 
unusual things like Detective Pikachu, right? Like I think that one did pretty well, and it had like Ryan Reynolds playing Pikachu. Oh my right? god, yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. So, but the Ryan Reynolds as Pikachu, the movie was just okay, but Ryan Reynolds really. He did not phone in a single moment of that movie. He <laughs> gave it his all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those are the recent game. I mean, like they did things like they, I think they're still like making awful, like B movie, like Mortal Kombat games or Mortal Kombat movies, right? Hey, no, that Mortal Kombat movie that came out a while back was solid six out of 10 material. It was pretty okay. good. <laughs> yeah. It was very watchable and very watchable being like free if you have an HBO Max subscription. That that pushed it into the I definitely you know, I would watch it again. Like if I could get that time back, I, I would <laughs> I, I made a good call watching that movie. Well I'm 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 glad you feel that way. I thought it was very enjoyable. It was extremely campy. It knew what it was. They literally say finish him. They say perfect finish, I think. It, it really like, hits that's the campy stuff is cute, but like I feel like video game movies feel the need to do that all the time to be well, like, Mortal hey, Kombat needed to do that. Like, yeah. Okay. So Mortal Kombat, I can understand, but like, yeah, I feel like there is a tendency to be like, Hey, video games. Am I right? Moviegoers? Like, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So I think Sonic was pretty tame with all that and that it didn't really even reference the games. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> or good. Even try to relate to them. <laughs> So, yeah, and also, like, and I I have no confidence in this being good the more I see of it, but there's, like, an Uncharted movie coming out starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg is silly. It's the worst casting I've ever seen in my entire life. Dude, I I think I I heard this on, like, a podcast or something, but it would look, look, it was such a perfect description. And, like, it was that picture of, like, Mark Wahlberg as Sully, and it was just, like... That doesn't look like Sully. It just looked like Mark Wahlberg, like looking for the gym, like on set or something like that. And I was like, yes, that's what he it is. He wasn't even in a Hawaiian shirt, was he? Like, I think he was just wearing regular clothes. Yeah, like, like Sully has a very like. I just I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I'm gonna watch it out of curiosity. But I have no expectation for that thing to be good. I will watch it if it comes to HBO Max. I will not pay movie. I will not pay good U.S. dollars to see that in the theater. Now, on the other hand, what I do think will be very, very good, just due to the pedigree involved and the creators involved, is the Last of Us HBO series. Yeah, they're, likely. Yeah, they are spending as also, much money on the first season of that as they were on the final seasons of Game of Thrones. So HBO is already just a movie, so it translates pretty well. The gameplay is solid in those games. Come on. It is solid. But uh, solid anyways, you take out the shooting scenes, you lose yeah. very little, and it's just yeah. a good movie. <laughs> yeah, no, any game where Great you movie even take take out the shoot take out the gameplay part and still have a fairly good movie <laughs> is is it really a game at that point? It's absolutely a game. You, I, I, I don't think you, you can make that game. argument about The Last of Us nearly as much as you can about Metal Gear Solid 4. Oh yeah, I know Metal Gear Solid 4. If you it's a great movie if you take out all the game parts. It's a great movie if you watch the feature length film that's in the game. Yeah. It's it's a no, great movie. Okay, Metal Gear Solid 4 is a great movie if you have 30 hours of prep time so you can study all the charts and graphs associated no. with the world. Okay, listen. If you go into Metal Gear Solid researching the lore, you're a coward. First <laughs> of all. Dude, let me I I will reiterate on this show. 
Metal Gear Solid 4 was my first Metal Gear game. So exactly. I went in I went okay. in as naked as you could possibly be. And it was just I hated I, it. I never got past like the second level. I thought it was the stupidest thing I'd ever seen. Dude, it's, it's so funny because like I played through that and I was like, this is like the second coming of the Bible. Like this I hated it yeah. so much. <laughs> so How old I, were you when you played it? I was oh, this was middle school. I think. Okay, I was like yeah, 14 or 15, I think. So I had a, maybe a slightly better head on my shoulders than you did. I researched, I, I actually like learned the lore of Metal Gear as I was playing it. I couldn't. And I hated it so much. You see, once you understand Metal Gear lore, as the official Metal Gear lore understander of game talk, it's about as confusing as playing the game blind. Yeah, that, that checks out. I do I not envy whatever brave soul attempts to adapt Metal Gear and do a movie or TV show in the future. No, there's no way anyone other than Kojima will do that. Kojima oh my god, will yeah. absolutely be there trying to direct that. That would be wild if Kojima in the future... Because he has he's said... wanted to make movies. Yeah, know? he said he wanted to make movies, so like... He made a movie! It's called Metal Gear Solid 4. I yeah. would love for christopher nolan and kojima to switch places for long enough to do one project yeah i yeah i i will i will say no matter what kojima's movie is when he makes it i'm gonna watch that thing because i know it'll oh, be I'd like the weirdest trippiest I, thing kojima ever games are too big of a time commitment for me to commit for just like all that weirdness but like a two-hour movie sure like yeah i'd go for that wild ride yeah but yeah, really quick. Yeah, so the Last of Us TV series, it's it's starring Pedro Pascal, which I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but he he was Oberyn Martell in Game of Thrones. I think he's the like the main guy in Mandalorian too. Okay, but yeah. that's what I was gonna say. I thought so, and he was pretty good in that, although you don't see his face a whole lot. Yeah, and I think uh, Ellie is being so he's playing Joel, and Ellie is being played by. Bella Ramsey, who's also from Game of Thrones, so it's kind of interesting. I think HBO is really trying to make this the next big thing. Yeah, and I know like Neil Druckmann, the writer or the creator, essentially of Last of Us, is directly involved with the writing and stuff like that. So I'm very interested in the show. I think this is the highest profile, like highest budget, like video game adaptation ever. People so, are kind of starved for good zombie apocalypse content right now, too. Yeah, The Walking like, Dead is gone, right? Like, so. Well, yeah. Well, no, it's not gone, but people are like eating up all these terrible spinoffs of it. Like, you know, so the side tangent, but like, The Walking Dead is one of those hyper popular shows. I don't, I've never seen a single episode of that show. Uh, I have really? no idea. I found it unbearable yeah. to watch, but I know that that's an extremely hot take. I. Not really. I don't really, think I, mean, I, I, I can stand it. I watched like two seasons of it, trying to give it a chance because everybody loved it, and I, I couldn't get into it. Yeah, I, I think like there was like a peak, and then it just kind of became derivative. All I know is that it's hyper popular, and that like people got really mad one season when one dude killed another dude. Yeah, but that's about it. Sounds right. <laughs> but yeah, I think in terms of like video game adaptations to other mediums, like uh, those are the biggest ones i can think of obviously tv and movies are the prime examples have we ever seen like a game series be adapted into books halo ah yeah halo that's a great example the books are as much of the part of the uh the halo universe as the games are honestly and now that i think about it like there's tons and tons of like assassin's creed comics yeah too Uh, that's pretty common yeah Uh, minecraft has books i don't know how canon they are um 
What does the Minecraft heck? have a cannon? Yes, Minecraft does have a cannon. Unfortunately, that kind of uh, makes but I it believe worse. Most of the books are unlicensed. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you don't need to explain Minecraft, you weirdos. No, Minecraft has more. Uh, the developers have come out and said, but they uh, they don't put it in the games. It's more like they like to, they have their own idea of why things exist in the world. Like, they have, like, the broken nether portals and stuff. And, like, okay. you know, that, like, you can find gold certain places because the piglins like gold in the nether. Like, there's lore to it. It's just really surface level. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's neat. It's just like, I don't know. I feel like... I'm not sad that it's there, but I wouldn't miss it if it was gone, I don't think. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, like, comics are definitely a very popular medium to use to, like, fill in some gaps and stuff. Like, I know for Assassin's Creed, there are, like, tons and tons of side comics. And, to, and I feel like it's it's weird, because to, like, really get a comprehensive understanding of, like, Assassin's Creed, for example, I think you do need to read the comics, but, like, it, you know, who really wants to get a comprehensive understanding of Assassin's Creed? Yeah, that's fine. Those those stories are not that complicated. Okay, uh, do we want to get into what we've been playing? Yeah, is it alright if I go first? I didn't have one last week. Sure. I got into a game called The Descenders, which is a really weird game for me to get into, I think. Um, I got into it because I, I think it was Writing on Games, which is a YouTube channel I like a lot, covered it. And as he was talking about it, it, it's like this, uh, it's this bicycling game where you ride your bike down a hill and it's procedurally generated and you like go and you can do tricks if you want to. Uh, you can follow the path if you want to. But at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is that you get your bike to the finish line at the bottom of the hill and you can go as fast or as slow as you want. And it does not matter at all. And something about that freedom is really like weird. And then you also have a, a certain number of lives you have i think you start with four and every time you wipe out depending on how hard you wipe out you lose a certain number of lives it's typically going to be one but if you wipe out really hard you'll lose two and if you uh lose your, all your four lives you start over at the beginning of the game and it was at that moment that i realized this was a game that i would like because it is in fact a roguelike good lord <laughs> it is a roguelike uh, about riding a bicycle down a hill and i like it a lot <laughs> i have not beaten it because I can't help myself like the tricks are too fun to do in my opinion to not do them so I'll like I'll be doing flips and stuff when there's not even a ramp sometimes which is pretty risky I just like I don't know it's like a really fun game for me to just put some music on in the background and ride my bike down a hill and they did a they did in my opinion a really good job on the tricks where like you kind of have to like do some complex stuff with your hands while in the air to do a trick and then like return to your normal position when you land. And it's kind of hard to do. Like it's sometimes like a button press doing something on the left stick while doing something totally different on the right stick. And it's like just enough separation with your brain to get you to do stuff that it is actually kind of hard to pull off in the short amount of time you're in the air, because it's not like you're not in the air an absurdly long time in this game. I wouldn't say that it's realistic, but it's grounded. I would say. Far more than like a Tony Hawk game or something. Okay. That was my and question. Like how similar to Tony Hawk's pro skater. There's definitely some Tony Hawk aspects to it. There are also like, like there's one level that I've come across so far. I haven't come across any others that is like a static level and it's called the construction site. And you never know when you're going to come across it. But if you do, it's like an almost Bob on battlefield level, like platforming uh, stage that you have to work your way through where you have to just kind of ride your bike up and around this obstacle course that is very difficult. I saw, and oh, I forgot to mention, this is kind of key. 
the whole thing is multiplayer all the time. So like, you're not the only one on these tracks. There are other players with you. And like, that's typically awesome. I don't care. Like I don't interact with them at all. But like when you get to the construction site, people typically like take turns because it's so hard to do. And we're all watching each other trying to figure out how to get up this thing. Mm-hmm. And like the sense of accomplishment when I finally got to the top was huge. I felt very good about it. It was really hard to do. And you also like, the, the encouragement to do tricks is like when you get enough points, you kind of get like power ups and stuff that are permanent for the rest of your run. So you want to be doing like crazy tricks and stuff. But really all you're getting is the ability to do more crazy tricks. And like every level has a uh, a side objective. Like there'll be something like do two front flips or like do two 360s or never take your, uh, you know, accelerate the entire way down the hill or never use your brakes. And uh, if you do that, you get an extra life. So it it has a lot of roguelike mechanics to it and stuff that are just, they, they really hit the spot for me. I like the game. It's really fun. It's on Game Pass. Roguelike biking game. Now I've seen it all. Yeah. And, and you can like start a party up and play the whole game multiplayer that way, I think too. But I have not done that at all. It's just been a, a listen to music and zone out. And, and it's also, this is like a stupid side thing that I like to do. But when you hit the finish line, your character keeps biking for a bit. So I like to like, get my guy to jump up in the air and be like completely horizontal to the ground so that he wrecks as hard as possible <laughs> across the finish line. Cause it, it makes me laugh every single time. That's cool. That's it's fun. really stupid and really fun. I would recommend it. What's it called again? Uh, Descenders. Descenders. Okay. Yeah. I don't even know who made it. Honestly, it's, it's on game pass. I think it's an Xbox. Like I think it's Xbox studios, but I'm not sure who. Okay, cool. Uh, I can go next. Uh, yeah, nothing, I have a lot to talk about. So. Okay, yeah. Nothing too special for me this week. I'm still, I think the only thing I've played is The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD. So I mentioned last time, right, like, I was really enjoying it, having a lot of fun. And I was at the point, I guess spoilers for anyone who cares, but last time I was at the point where I was about to do the Ancient Cistern. So now... Fast forward, I think I'm, I'm, I've got to be getting close to the end of the game, right? Like, so I've gotten through, like, the, I've basically got the Master Sword, I've got the Hylian Shield, I'm basically putting together the Triforce right now. And the way you can tell you're getting close to the end of a Zelda game is by your hearts, right? So, like, I've got, like, basically almost two full rows of hearts at this point, so I, yeah. I figure, like, yeah, I'm, I'm probably close to the end. And I will say one thing from the last time I talked about it. One of my big frustrations were the loft wing controls. Me being the idiot that I am, I didn't realize that you could press like A to ascend. <laughs> so I learned that and I was like, oh my God, this fixes all of my problems with the loft wing controls. Because I literally thought to gain height, you had to like dive down and then pull up and boost and gain like a little bit of height before you had to like dive down oh to get God, more height again. So and <laughs> that's how I was playing the whole game. <laughs> so like to get to islands, like if I was just like, if I was coasting and I was like, like a little under, I was like, okay, here we go again. So I'd have to dive down, rise up, dive down, rise up. So I could get up like five feet to get on the island. And it was just maddening. And I was like, I, I thought this was like a design flaw, but obviously it was just me not understanding the controls. Like, yeah. so you can just press A to fly up and it doesn't even use one of your boost charges. So that like fi- immediately fixed all the problems I had with the Loftwing controls. And I felt real stupid. So yeah, the Loftwing controls are fine, right? Like there's still issues with the design, right? Like we talked about last time, like 
not really enough interesting things to do, like flying around in the sky. As a concept, it's cool. It just could have been executed better. But in terms of like the Zelda-ness of it, like I'm still very much enjoying it, right? Right? Like just got the Master Sword, just got the Hylian Shield. What I will say is like I just reached a part that kind of made me roll my eyes and put the game down for a little bit. Uh, I got to the part where like you get imprisoned and you get all your stuff taken away. Just as a side, like I, I'm kind of sick of that trope in video games. Like, where you get to the level where, like, you get all your stuff taken away and you have to sneak around and get it back. Like, I'm just kind of over that. Like, maybe... I like that trope. (laughs) Like, at the beginning of, like, Wind Waker, when you had to sneak around and do that stuff, it was fine because, like, it was at the beginning of the game before you got seriously upgraded. But now I'm like, oh, I have to, like, go around and get all my stuff again. I hated it in Wind Waker because it felt like they really didn't take that much away. But... Yeah, I, I, I loved it in uh, Breath of the Wild. I loved Eventide Island. Yeah, Eventide Island I loved. Uh, but for this one just sort of annoyed me for some reason, especially because, like, I'm not really a big fan of the digging sections and, like, the only tools you had uh, after all your stuff got taken away were, like, the digging gloves. So you had to, like, yeah. dig through those underground tunnels, which, are, which is just sort of a bore, I think. Like, I'm not a fan of those underground sections. Have you done the ocean part yet? Yes, that was super cool. It's the best like, part I, of the game, yeah. I thought that was so creative, right? Like, so, yeah, like, the so you're on the desert, right? But, like, you have those time shift crystals attached to your boat. So it's an ocean because, like, the immediate area around you is from, like, thousands of years ago or whatever. And, yeah, that was that was that, seriously that's impressive. That's the cistern are, like, the highlights of Skyward Sword to me. I love the ancient cistern. Yeah, the ancient cistern was great. I think most of the dungeons in this game have been pretty solid, you know, I like, that. yeah, uh, no, the, the only problem is the backtracking and like the number of times you have to fight the imprisoned. So I've, I fought the imprisoned twice now. <laughs> I assume, I assume there's like one more time, right? At least like, one more. Yeah. yeah. It might be four. Okay. And I did discover, I think the last thing I did actually, before getting my stuff taken away, I discovered like the boss rush mode. Was this in the original? That. I don't know. There was like, so if you talk to the yellow, the storm dragon or whatever, you can fight previous bosses. And I don't think that was in the original. Well, after I beat all the bosses, he gave me the Hylian shield. So I feel like it had oh, to have been right. Awesome. Yeah, because like I, I, the Hylian shield had had to have been part of the original. But like, I must say, like I, I felt really good after getting the Hylian shield because like I felt like Link was complete, right? Like I feel like Wait, how the did he end- give you the Hylian shield? If you defeat all the previous yeah, no, bosses, the lore doesn't beat. make sense though, because like the whole point of the loft wing was that that's the oh. red bird on the Hylian shield. Yeah, I, I don't know. Already have it. IDK man, but he gave it to me. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> they could have tried a little bit. Yeah, I was kind of surprised, right? Like, because he said, like, if you beat this challenge, I'll give you a really good shield. I was like, oh, I wonder what this is. Like, is it the mirror shield? But like, no, it was it was the Hylian shield, which. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, like, I feel like getting the Hylian shield and the Master Sword, you really feel complete in a Zelda game when you do that, right? Like, because then you're like, okay, this is Link now. Yeah. So that felt good. And that's, I guess, another another reason I was so aggravated at the, at the section, because, like, as soon as I got the Hylian shield, I got literally everything, including my sword taken away. I was like, well, that's really fine. I guess it's fine, but, like, not too thrilled about it. But, yeah, like, um... I think I'm going through the last time where I have to go back to all the areas. So I completed Linear Desert for the final time. I freed the the dragon, learned the part of the song of the hero, and now I have to do the same for the Elden Volcano and the 
the Faron Woods, and I assume I'm in Endgame after that point. But yeah, my overall thoughts are still sort of the same. I'm still enjoying it a lot. Definitely has a, a few more flaws than most Zelda games, or most 3D Zeldas that I've played, but like, that doesn't detract from the fact... Are. Have you done the Loftwing boss fight yet? Yeah, I did that. Okay, so yeah, you're pretty close to Endgame then, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, you, like, learn the spin move on the loft wing, and... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, um, what I will... I I just want to praise one more thing. I really enjoy going around Skyloft and doing, like, these little side quests for the people that live there. I think the cast, like, the the people that live on Skyloft, I think they're really well-realized, and they're fun, quirky characters. And I really enjoy just, like, doing things for them and seeing how that whole situation on Skyloft plays out. I think as a hub... I really like Skyloft. I just think, you know, the immediate surrounding area of, like, the Sky Islands and stuff probably could have had more put into them. But, yeah, overall, very much enjoying the game. Probably going to be finished with it by next episode. And Mike? All right, I played a bunch a bunch of games over the last, what, two weeks? Yeah, lay it on us. So I'm, I'm going to start with the more grim of the, the batch. Uh, I picked up Hell Let Loose. And let me tell you, that game, it's brutal. <laughs> very brutal what is it's, it uh it's a realistic world war ii shooter and by realistic i mean if you get shot you're gonna have a bad time and you're gonna get shot a lot or blown up or shot at by a tank mm-hmm. it, it's terrifying you're sitting in a trench not sure what's going on and you just hear artillery exploding around you and then you just die because you got direct hit by an artillery shell or you spawn and then die immediately because an artillery shell hit your spawn point. I was just going to say, I feel like Call of Duty and Battlefield definitely have a more like action hero flavor to the World War II experience, right? Yeah. But like, oh, yeah. yeah, this this game definitely sounds like more it's, like the horrors of war. It's it's very much it's team based. So there's a lot of communication that goes on. And if you're not communicating, you're just going to get destroyed. Like I was, I was in a tank with two other guys, and I was literally just calling out targets for people. That was it. That was my yeah. job. I looked around, and I'd be like, "Hey, there's a tank over here. Should probably deal with that at some point." Is it almost? Is it like Rainbow Six levels of like tactical? Like you have to be that tactical, or I mean, it's it's a hundred person multiplayer. Hold on, let me let me double check. I think it's fifty v fifty, but it might be a hundred v a hundred. That's fifty v fifty. Okay, that's still, it's, like, big scale. Right? Yeah, it's massive scale. The maps are huge, comparatively. And, well, there isn't a lot. There's 19 classes? 14 classes. And most of those are locked behind uh, general, like, ideas. Like, you'll have to be in a tank crew to get the tank crew classes, or be on a recon team to get a sniper rifle. But it's a lot of fun. Honestly... For how much I paid for it, I'm having a blast. The only problem is the server queue system is absolutely awful, and it only fits six people in it. What? Yeah. If there's more than six people waiting for a server, you have to just continuously connect and get told the queue's full until you can get to the queue. It's awful. I absolutely hate joining servers because of it. Is this, like, still in early access or something? Uh, no. It just launched out of early access recently. Okay. Hopefully they address that. Because, like... Yeah, I don't think it's on the That can kill a a multiplayer game really quickly. 
I mean, the community's there enough, and there's enough of a niche for the community that I don't think they care that much. You said because... Four- yeah, sorry. Oh, go ahead. I, I was going to say, you said 14 classes? That's pretty insane. Like, Yeah. That's not standard at all. And a squad can be, I think a squad's five people? Six? I think it's six people. There are ten infantry classes, so... That's pretty cool. Yeah, there's a lot of variety that you can have in a squad. And only certain ones get access to the, the command channel, which is which I haven't experienced yet because I don't want to deal with that. Command but, channel. Yeah, the command channel is where all like the squad leads and the commander who has an RTS view of all things can communicate with each other. Now, do people actually like listen to orders? Because I know like if this sort of stuff happened in Call of Duty or Battlefield, people would just it would just be chaos. Oh, it's necessary to listen to orders. Yeah. That's 100% necessary. That's that's cool. Like it's 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 cool that the community isn't rabid and chaotic that like you'd expect them to be maybe. Yeah, it's it's a very um well, it's largely because a body shot will down you, a headshot's an instant kill, and a leg shot will wound you from any distance from any weapon, really. Wow. There have been multiple times where I've I've been like chatting in proximity you're like, I'm just going to peek out here and then immediately get coded in machine gun fire. There have been a lot of just weird moments or like those those personal moments you get with proximity chat where you're just joking around and all of a sudden <laughs> you are now pinning cover. <laughs> or me as the medic having to run out into the, the hellstorm that is outside. I had a lot of fun with it. I, I need to play more of it. It, it sounds super fun, honestly. Yeah, sounds- it is a good time. Sounds refreshing from uh, the ones I know, like Call of Duty and Battlefield. Oh yeah, it's very refreshing. You you do die a lot, and it doesn't really tell you where you die from. So, like actual just, war. Yeah, like actual war, and you don't get told where you're shot from. You just gotta hope. Okay, on on to the next the next out of four, I think. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I've played a lot of games. Uh, I, I think I should talk about Spore too because this one's gonna be a short one. Oh lord. Uh, apparently, there's a game called Adapt, and it is quite literally just Spore 2, but better? I have to look Go it on. <laughs> Go um, on. It's it's literally just the creature stage, if the creature stage was actually enjoyable. it's Right now, it's just a demo, but there's a lot of potential to it. It it like simulates climates and lifespans and genetics. Like, ooh. It's everything Spore promised to be. Yeah, Dude, a well, it looks a, a, a well, lot like Spore. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, well, the creature creator feels kind of like Spore. I was just going to say, a well-done Spore would be, like, massive to me. Like, that would be... I would be addicted to that. Plus, as a bonus, it has an aquatic air. You can be aquatic. That's that's all that matters. I built the sequel to Frog. Yeah, this I, is like a must-check-out game once it comes to... Yeah. Why Why is the developer a single person's name, though? That's not... It. It's, it's a single-person developer, but... Playing the demo, the only thing that's bad about it is the controls, but it definitely has potential. This is a big game for one person. That's a, that's a red flag to me. Eh, I haven't paid any money for it yet, so I'm not mad. Yeah, we'll see how good. it goes. I'm gonna I'm gonna add it to my wish list. But he's given it about two one to two years for the early access, but that that never pans out for any game ever. Hopefully, it does well. It's a, it sounds like a cool concept. But most of the co- most of the core mechanics are already in the demo, 
or I guess what the dev considers core mechanics. It also depends on how much he's charging, because I don't know if I'd pay very much for just the creature stage of Spore. Yeah, it depends on how depth it goes. Yeah. But yeah, the, the adapt's going to be a short one. I, I really don't have much thoughts on it, because I got everything out of it in an hour. But it has potential. I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, number three on my list of games that I've played in the last two weeks is Hammer Ting. Never heard and, of it. Uh, it's, it's like a 2D kind of colony builder-esque game. It's hard to describe. It's hard to describe. It's it's a side view colony builder where you are just dwarves. It's it's uh, some it, it's like oxygen not included, but worse, I guess. It's there's just not a lot of feedback from the UI, and a lot of mechanics in the game are not exactly explained to you. I'm I'm looking at like some pictures right now, and the art style I think looks quite nice. It's an enjoyable game. It's just kind of obtuse right now, and all the guides are in Russian. So, I feel like you stay playing uh, Russian games. I I don't know. I don't know why all the guides are in Russian. Oh no, there's one in German too. There's there's two guides in English, and the rest are in other languages that aren't English. Out of five guides, mm-hmm. so it I guess it really not isn't big enough to get actual in-depth guides as to what's going on because there's a lot of items that don't explain themselves but i i had i had kind of fun with it in the four hours i played i don't think i'll play it until i update it again but it was fun for what it for what it did okay and uh now onto the last game control Ooh. oh that game's good oh god i i had a moment early on in the game where i knew this would be interesting because i think i went to control mostly blind I went, saw the janitor, came back through this series of hallways that shouldn't have led me back to the lobby, and I was back in the lobby, but it was a different lobby with an elevator, but it was the same lobby. Control do be like that. Yeah, control really is like that. The Just just that part, I'm like, hold on a second, this is the same area I just came from, and then I went back and there was a wall where I came from. So, it, at that moment, I was intrigued, and I'm still steadily chugging through it as we speak i think i'm on chapter five i think maybe yeah chapter five so i'm eager for the second half of the game and the game's finally throwing puzzles at me so do the side quests i didn't do a lot of them and like a lot of the game's best content is side quest oh yeah i've been doing most everything that's popped up including side also be conscious of what's dlc the uh the alan wake dlc is the weakest part of the game in my opinion but uh, the other DLC is actually really fun. Like I already have most of the powers. I think I'm only missing one. So yeah, combat's a lot of fun once you get evade. Yeah, man. The com- the combat in that game is pretty special. I think. Yeah, the, like the whole the physics base. Like you can just yank objects and like throw them and use them as shields. <clears throat> I, I do like how as you fight in an area, it just gets torn up. Pillars yeah. will get demolished wood paneling will explode shelves will break pretty realistically i spent like 20 minutes in an office just shooting shelves and just being mesmerized by the fact that i could shoot off individual sections of shelf and it would break kind of according to how a shelf would break if you shot it with a magic weapon does your new pc have rtx at all no it i i've can run it with RTX on, but at like three frames a second. Yeah, me too. I'm planning so. on doing a replay of Control once my 3080 uh, gets here because I 
I think that game, I mean, that game's worth replaying, but uh, I really want to see how good it looks because it, it was like one of the big RTX games. When my that my only like complaint about Control, and I think this is more the art style, is that everything's really washed out. It is, yeah. It's very, it's artistic, but it just feels weird that everything's washed out. Yeah, it's part of that, um, what's that? Uh, Brutalist? Yeah, brutalist yeah, it's, architecture. It's very That's brutalist. Going forth, washing everything out. Yeah, I see why they do it, but I do agree that it's a little. It, it gets you sometimes. Some of the some of the like mini game modes and stuff aren't amazing in control either. Like there's a there's a horde mode that you unlock later, and that's not like the shooting is not the best part of control to me. The best part is like the world, the the lore, the it's just exploring the fir- the oldest house is like so much fun. Yeah, the setting I, is definitely something special, I think. The setting special. Yeah. I do like the combat, though. Yeah, the combat makes good. me feel powerful. I agree. Yeah. Like just being able to chuck the entire kitchen sink at people, that's a lot of fun. Like, I, there's times where I barely shot a gun in a combat encounter and I've just resorted to throwing whatever's next to me at an enemy. And that's, it's really enjoyable. I was surprised. Unfortunately, though, the version that I got didn't come with the DLC, so I had to buy the season pass off Humble Bundle because the DLC is also not sold on Steam anymore. Oh, what? I was going to say, uh, the Alan Wake DLC, I would skip. <laughs> I just me. bought the season pass for like $11. Yeah, that's fair then. Yeah, I got the I DLC included, I think. Got what was called the Ultimate Edition from Humble, Humble Choice, but it's actually yeah. not the Ultimate Edition. It's the base game. Oh, I think that oh. was a mistake. I think it was supposed to be the Ultimate Edition, and they're fixing that. Oh, uh, if they were going to fix that, they, they probably would have fixed it by now. When, it's when, been months. when was it in Humble Bundle? March. Oh, uh, okay. I'm thinking that, that happened recently, and they said they were going to fix it, and they hadn't fixed it yet. This was like uh, July or August, though, I think. That's lame. But w- one thing I will say about Control is, like, as good as this game is, I'm very much excited for the sequel to this game because i feel like in a lot of ways like i I, it sort of felt like to me like in terms of mechanics a lot of this game was like develop the developers being like okay we're gonna try this and then maybe perfect it later because i i feel like i guess to put my words more concisely i think the jump from control one to control two is kind of going to be like uncharted to uncharted two is it getting a sequel it is but it's not control two it's a uh it's a team-based game. No, so they're they're doing the team-based game, but they're also making Control Two, I believe. I think they're doing oh, two okay. games. Okay, I, I'm excited for the team-based game, but nowhere near as much as I would be for an actual Control Two. Now I need to play uh, Quantum Break and Alan Wake, though. I hear Quantum Break is meh, but don't know anything. I mean, about it's Alan all Wake. in the same universe, so I guess guess I just need to all play all of them. Alan Wake has never really appealed to me, but. Uh... And they're, that's apparently they're also making a new Alan Wake game. The the uh, or, uh, the Waking Nightmare DLC is basically a really long ad for an Alan Wake game, and that made me really mad because it wasn't very good, and it was like tonally not it did not fit Control. I re- I really hated the Alan Wake DLC. You might disagree with me, but I thought it was extremely boring. Yeah, I like how Remedy's like, hey, here's a game, here's our Avengers Endgame of our franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I know all these games that might be related. Guess what? They're all related because SCPs are real. I don't even remember if I played the Alan Wake DLC. That might be the only section of the game I didn't play. 
It wasn't very fun. The other DLC I think is really fun though. The one where you actually the foundation I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. God, I'm trying to remember control, but like a lot of that game stays hard to remember. I just uh I didn't play nearly enough of the side quests. I ended up reading about them later and realizing that they were like as good, if not better, than the main story. And I should have played them. Yeah, I definitely missed a couple crucial side quests by the end, but I looked them up and I did them after the fact. But I do wish I had discovered them organically. Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm just going to replay the game because I've forgotten enough about it that it'll feel fresh. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been running through and collecting every single collectible I've seen. Yeah, I read pretty much every document I found too because I was I just thought the writing was good enough. I I I really think that they nailed it with the video recording, the live action videos that they have in the game. Oh yeah, the the way that they like it was like slightly uncanny, but like in the best way. Mm, pretty choice. Yeah, everything just kind of engrosses you in this universe where things are weird and they don't make sense. Everything's upside down. That house can shift at any moment. That cup of coffee on your on your counter, that could kill you or suck you into like the astral plane where these beings will like mumble at you. Yeah, the world felt almost as dangerous as prey, except in prey you're not powerful enough to fight back. Yeah. The, that was the only thing I didn't like was that like Instead of using the items to your advantage, you got powers from the items. I get that that was like a gamification of it, but it didn't feel very SCP to me. And I didn't love that. But the rest of it, like the set dressing was like amazing. The rest yeah, no, it, everything in control fits well together. The combat kind of bleeds seamlessly into the plot. Yeah. It doesn't feel like, oh, hey, here's a mandatory combat section or hey, here's a mandatory boss fight. It makes sense. They don't throw boss fights at you like they're nothing. Yeah. Like usually if they're going to if it's going to be a boss it's going to be an enemy type you haven't seen before. Also, yeah. I will say Control pretty reasonably challenging game. Like Yeah, yeah. no, it's it actually a, it was not a quite difficult. For me. Yeah, it was it was it was hard. Yeah, there's a lot of points when I've had to retry them. Like the first boss fight, I had to retry two, three times. Yeah, there I finally got the hang of it. Underleveled and had to come back, and I was—I'm ne- never a fan of that. I don't like grinding, but the pro- uh, clearly the problem was that I wasn't doing the side quests. Yeah, and they were trying to encourage me to do that, and I was too stubborn. No, combat yeah. got a lot easier once I got evade. Yes, like evade made everything ten times easier. Yeah, I—I I haven't had a reason to use shield though. I, uh, I just—I'm having you do you do end up it ends up coming in handy if I remember right. It's definitely not as useful as Evade, though, I think. it's yeah. 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 No, but there are, like, boss fights where it's, like, basically mandatory. I don't know, though. That game's tough to remember. That was, like... That was in the middle of the pan... You know, the middle of the first pandemic, I guess we'll say now. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even if you... proof this. I, I will say, even if you didn't play it in the pandemic, I feel like that game, just by nature, is a fever dream. So, yeah. yeah. Just like the Animal Crossing movie. Animal Crossing movie? Yeah, there's an yeah. Animal Crossing movie. Yeah, Debuts in Amori. Yeah. Why didn't we talk about that? I forgot about it. <laughs> Next week. Because it is a... It hates to be perceived. It is so difficult Jeez. to remember what happens in that movie. It's actually really good, if I remember right, but I don't remember anything about it. It is so... Like, it's an enigma. You watch it, and the next day you will not remember a single thing about it. Fascinating. I, I do like how Control doesn't throw puzzles at you immediately, though. It, it waits until you're almost halfway through the game to throw the first puzzle at you. So it yeah. felt more meaningful than anything else. 
Because usually you had to learn the rules of the weird house and everything. Yeah. And and the puzzles aren't even hard, or at least the puzzles I've seen. They aren't like, hey, this is intentionally obstificated to make it a hard puzzle. No. It's more of a look at these whiteboards and pay attention and you might be able to figure it out. And I think some of the foundation DLC, I think it had some doozy puzzles, if I remember right. Yeah, I like games that throw puzzles at you that the solution somewhere in the world is in the world around you rather than just yeah trial and error. So I, I really do need to finish. I, I, I will probably finish Control. I yeah, say that sounds I like still haven't finished The Witcher, but... It sounds like you're pretty far, though, so... Yeah, it's also yeah. not an extraordinarily long game. I, yeah, I remember yeah. it was, like, you know, short enough, I knocked it out in less than a week, I think. Yeah, I'm six hours in, and I'm on Chapter 5, so... Shouldn't take me much longer to finish the game and then do the DLC. Yeah. All right, I think that's going to do it for us this week. Thank you guys for listening. You can follow us at Ad Podcast Game Talk on Twitter. Please like, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and any other podcast service you use. Click the link in the description of this podcast to join our Discord and talk to us there. Thank you, Connor and Mike. Yep, see you guys next week. See you next week. Wait a second, Idris Elba's knuckles. He yes, is, uh, we truly yeah. live in a in a forsaken timeline. He's big right now. He was really good in Suicide Squad. No, yeah. Idris Elba's great. I just he shouldn't be denigrating him slaying knuckles. All I'm saying is if he doesn't sing at least one rap song about knuckles, I will be greatly disappointed. Historically, Knuckles isn't the one singing them. It's typically someone else singing them about Knuckles. Yes, but we need Idris Elba to rap, maybe even the Pumpkin Hill rap song. I know a bunch of people were like surprised that they went with a black actor, but like, have they have they seen Knuckles? He's very black coated. Yeah, no, Knuckles but, is a hundred percent black coated. Yeah.